0: Welcome to Your Money Story. I'm Dawn Thomas, a mother of three, financial advisor by day, and a PhD candidate studying the experience of Generation Z with the superannuation system. This podcast provides a platform for stories that are underrepresented. Everyone's money story is unique. My guests are people who conduct their lives with purpose, authenticity, and are not afraid of being different. They stand out within their industries for being themselves. I hope their journeys inspire you to harness your own gifts and talents. I'm a believer of living your truth each day. Let's change how the story ends. We acknowledge the Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation as the traditional custodians of this country and its waters and where this podcast is recorded on. Stands on Noongar Country. We pay our respects to Noongar elders, past and present and acknowledge their wisdom and advice. The information discussed in this podcast does not take into account your personal and financial objectives and situation. Before acting on any information discussed here, you should consider its appropriateness having regard to your objectives, needs, and financial situation. This episode, I speak to Kara Graham. Kara is the WA State Chair of the Association of Financial Advisors Inspire Community. Kara entered financial services when she was 17, and she said like many others who started around her time, she just fell into the financial planning profession. Kara represents a special segment of the profession that is not celebrated enough, the successful female business owner. To add to that, Kara is proudly from the LGBTQ community. She understands her privilege of having a supportive environment to grow up in and is quick to point out that her experience is not representative of the community as a whole. She shares her unique workday experiences, such as coming out on a regular basis, Clients who assume she comes from a traditional family unit. Her ability to thrive in a safe place has inspired others within the community to embrace who they are and thrive in their own uniqueness. Welcome to your money story, Kara. Uh, so great to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. I've wanted to get Kara on the show sooner. And when I first approached Kara, she's like, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able uh, to add a lot. So I suppose, what I wanted her to discuss. And in the 30 minutes, I think we had a chat about 30 minutes, Kara. and your journey is so valuable. I mean, that there was no question in my mind about why, why we should be sharing it. So thank you for being here. Kara. you started in financial services really, really early. Could you share with us that journey? Yes, yes. So
1: I started in financial services when I was 17. I had just finished school. I was maybe six months out of school. And uh, I think like a lot of financial advisors, I kind of fell into it, Uh, you could could say. um, You know, really, I I finished school. I had really good grades. And I just made a decision when I was in year 12 that I wasn't going to go to uni straight away. I wanted to take some time and figure out what I wanted to do. Um, And that was, you know, that was sort of on the back of my siblings literally every single one of my cousins doing a you know first year at uni and then going on and doing something totally different. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to break this trend and I'm going to go and do something totally different first and then come back to uni <laughs> and figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and, I, and I ended up just getting like an office junior job you know, earning minimum wage um, and, you know, working in the city, you know, doing sort of admin, ordering stationery, you know, printing, lots of, you know, really, really simple things. Um, but I really liked it. You know, I really liked the environment. I liked learning. Um, and the organisation I was working for at the time offered to pay for me to go to uni. So I got um half a degree through that business because I didn't end up staying with them for the full degree Um, but it just started me on my course and um, you know it was a really great sort of landing point and then here I am um, 15 years later and and here I am I'm a part owner in a business I've got you know lots of wonderful clients I've been working with for a really really long time so um, you know, I skipped the whole middle section there,
0: but <laughs> in, in a
1: nutshell,
0: that's how I got where I am. I'm always fascinated by women in the financial planning space in, in how they've come to where they are, especially the ones who feel really settled in their position, because we all know it's never like that at the start. Like we start off just finding our way and people could be forgiven to think that you've always been this way, Kara. that you've, you know, you've always held the confidence that you have. How have you seen yourself grow over that time?
1: Mm. I mean, I've grown enormously, you know, personally, professionally, um, you know, even just my waist. (laughs) 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 Scratch that bit. But um, I mean, you know, I I guess 15 years is a long long time, particularly at that stage of your life. I mean, you know, realistically, I was a child back then. Mm -hmm. I think it's just really lucky that, I came across something that I would be really interested in. And, um, it, you know, I think I think part of the reason why I love financial advice and why I, I guess I've, you know, pushed through and sort of stuck around through all of the challenging times is, you know, one, I just love helping people um, and I love teaching people as well. Like my mum is a teacher and mm-hmm. I think I've sort of got some of those skills ingrained in me in a sense, you know, good like you know, good study habits. <laughs> you know, ways of explaining things. You know, even just taking notes, using diagrams. Um, you know, sort of demonstrating different information in a different way. It's just um, you know, a, a just a, a real passion um, from there. So you know, I think um, I think that's probably yeah been a big contributor.
0: I, it's, it's funny to say that your mom's a teacher because my mom's a teacher as well. And I think, yeah, and I think that you're right because I see it, a lot of this role as a teaching role as well. Uh-huh. Um, and I think teachers, when they're really passionate about their job, they don't want to give up on any student. They find a way to teach. Um, and I think what you're saying is that good financial advisors teach their clients in you know, whatever concepts that might be in a way that makes sense to them. Um, It makes sense to the client, not necessarily what sounds good for the advisor.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, I think, you
0: know, a skill as an advisor is, you know, tailoring your
1: approach, tailoring your language for Mm. different people that you're speaking to. You know, the way that, um, you know, you might approach someone with an engineer, uh, you know, approach things with an engineer versus, say, you know, a widower or or something along those lines will be completely different. You know, the, Mm. the language you know, the way you represent things, even just the amount of detail that you go into. Um, you know, some people, if you go into too much detail, it's going to be overwhelming. They're going to get scared and they're going to run away, whereas mm-hmm. others will just really want to understand, drill down, you know, to the finite detail until they really absolutely get it. From yes. there. So, you know, you need to be able to kind of curate your, um, your presentation in, ability, you know, in a way.
0: What do you want your financial planning legacy to be, Kara? I mean, you're, it's been a full-on 15 years, but arguably there are many more years for you mm-hmm. to leave an impact. But what kind of impact would you like to leave? I mean, ultimately, I just want to help people.
1: You know, I want, I want to make an impact in my client's life. I want them to be better off from the advice that I give them. Um, something that I've kind of realised about myself, in recent years is that even though I'm a financial advisor, I'm actually not very motivated by money. It's, you know, it's not my main driver at all. Um, you know, I mean, even, even sometimes that, you know, I, you know, I'd probably talk someone out of doing something, uh, you know, from there, if it was to my detriment, but to them, you know, for them to be better off because at the end of the day, I just, it, it's not where I get my value, you know, yes. for sort of having money coming in, going in the bank account. Now, I probably have that value because I'm in a privileged place where I'm not worrying on a daily basis. You know, I have, you know, a high level of education and knowledge around finances. So I know how to protect myself. Um, But yeah, my intention isn't to make money. I guess it's really just to, to help people. Like I don't need to be rich. I don't need to be famous. I just want people, you know, my clients to
0: live a better life, you know, and my family and my friends as well. And that is a strong, strong legacy. I, I was sitting um, in the audience when we did the roadshow, but I'm like, yes, you know, when you see someone from WA, you're like, yes, it's possible. <laughs> I mean, it's like there is a lot of home state pride uh, mm. because you know some sometimes some of the commentary we get is that really the the leading practices kind of exist um, in the eastern states. Mm. So I know for myself, being someone from WA, I, I was filled with immense pride. Uh, I actually, and I
1: remember reflecting on this at the Roadshow as well, that, um, you know, I think that we have such an advantage over here in in the West because our our market is not saturated. Like, you know, there is enough work, there is too much work, in fact, to go around, and I think as a result, you know, we do become more collaborative where you know, refer to each other if it's not the right client or, you know, lean on each other if we need advice and support. Whereas I know speaking to, you know, other professional colleagues in other states, it's really competitive. It's, you know, that sort of dog eat dog world um, from there. Whereas I just, I don't feel that way at all here. Like I know that if I had an issue, I could pick up the phone, you know, or type an email and then someone would be like, here's what I do. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's so sort of positive. I think, you know, there's a good camaraderie amongst, amongst the group.
0: And I think that's the thing about you as well, Cara, like standing on the stage there, you're representing women. I mean, as a woman in financial planning, that's what I read into it. Right. So everyone will take a different message from whoever they see out there. Um, but I didn't know as well that, you also proudly represent by who you are, by way of who you are, the LGBTQ plus community. That that was not something that really came out through the roadshows and things like that. And and I think that made me even more proud because you're, you're, you're representing women, but you're also representing a whole other community with that, which is the (laughs) LGBTQ community. You said you came out in 2003. Um, I mean, looking, sometimes is there. Can you still remember how you felt when it came to that moment of of letting the world know? I mean, um, I felt terrified.
1: You know, I guess I don't often sort of think about this, but I think, you know, as a young teenage girl, I didn't want to be different. Like, I think maybe times have changed a little bit now. Like, I think uniqueness is maybe much more celebrated um, but at the time, yeah, I was genuinely terrified. I wanted to to hide it. You know, I, um, you, you know, I, I guess I sort of, you know, wanted to almost kind of keep it a secret initially. And, you know, and I didn't tell it to me, even though I knew my family would be amazing. Um, my mum told me when <laughs> I was 11 or something, like just casually, you know, had no idea, but just told me, you know, if you're gay or you're this or you're that or, you know I'll love you anyway and so I always knew that she would be fine and my you know my parents would be fine but it still took me two years to have that conversation um you know from there but uh, you know I think um yeah I guess kind of looking back it was it was a scary time and you know I think I probably had um some mental health challenges <laughs> around yeah. that period it just you know coming to terms with being different and how my life might look and you know, even that was my mum's fear when I did come out was she just wanted me to have a really great life and be happy and she did not care that I was gay. She mm. just was scared that I might be disadvantaged as a result. Um, you know, and wanted me to, you know, have a good support network and, and things along those lines. And, you know, and I'm so lucky that I had the family that I did because I um, – you know, I, I just I have so much privilege in this space, which is, you know, again, why when you asked me to, yes. to sort of represent this community, I felt I felt kind of insecure because I've had such a such a privileged life and such a privileged experience. Like I just haven't had to experience, you know, the, some of the challenges and discrimination and oppression that I know a lot of my friends have, have had to. Um, and, you know, the, the LGBTQ community by its nature is incredibly diverse. You know, we, we come from all kinds of backgrounds, um, you know, we have all sorts of interests, you know, even just, you know, the colours of the rainbow in terms of yes. what sexuality means, you know, everybody is sort of very unique. And, um, yeah, I guess I just sort of felt like there's a, a lot of responsibility representing this community because <laughs> of that uniqueness um, <laughs> from, from there. And, you know, my journey is obviously only my journey, um, so uh, you know, I think it's just yeah, being aware of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you you exist as who you are, Kara, and I, and that in itself is representation of your community. I think it makes other people, even though they're not exactly like you, um, that they know there's a place for them. I think mm-hmm. just seeing you succeed, you being happy, you feeling like you belong in a place is inspiration for someone else that hasn't found their place to flourish yet. Um, That's why in a part of it, like part of your story is that you belong to that community Um, because you are successful being who you are and doing this. Um, Because I was talking to you about the specific challenges that you face as a financial advisor. Um, I related to you, one of my very good friends, um, he felt that he needed to not let clients know That um, he's gay because even for job interviews, he he feels that that's something he has to keep to himself. And Mm -hmm. he said it's out of practicality. He knows that people can have strong opinions. Um, And I mean, you kind of mentioned when when I brought that up to you, you said that that you really believe in honesty and integrity, like the codes and values as an advisor. Mm -hmm. Express having some apprehension about sharing the fact that you're going on paternity leave and it's a funny term, but paternity leave um, when you were taking time off for your daughter, mm. can you explain what that's like? Because mm. you're not, you don't wear your community on your face as such. It's probably yeah. something you would have to disclose to someone.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I feel like there's so many layers mm. to that question. You know, I, um, You know, I wouldn't say that I'm like a, you know, really, really girly person, but I I certainly don't think that I'm obvious, you know, people sort of don't generally guess. And to be perfectly honest, I reckon I have to come out in some form or another, at least once a week, you know, whether it's like to the pharmacist when I'm getting my wife's scripts completed or, um, you know, I guess whether it's to a client or just, you know, some general person that makes an assumption you know, I'm wearing a wedding ring, so my husband this. And I have to say, oh, actually, um, I have a wife from there. And I've gotten a lot better at saying that. Like, uh, you know, I think certainly, um, you know, in, you know, years gone by, I would, the words would get stuck in my throat a little bit. Um, And one of my, I guess, sort of fears, you know, know, going back to that sort of um, honesty and integrity side of things, one of my fears is that, I would never want a client to think that I misled them, you know, I would never want a client to think that I kind of deliberately withheld something or lied, you know, lied in any way Um, and, you know, I think by my nature and I think a lot of, um, you know, LGBT people like this, we do, well, you know, some of us tend to be a little bit private, you know, I don't necessarily introduce myself and say, hi, I'm Cara Graham, I'm a lesbian you know, that, that's, that's not yeah. how I identify myself. <laughs> in yeah, fact, yeah. you know, if I was listing all of my attributes, I would put that way, way down the list in yeah. terms of, um, you know, in terms of things to disclose. But, you know, I guess my sort of general approach with, you know, with clients and just people in life is that I don't tend to bring it up unless people ask. But if people make an assumption about me, um, you know, uh, I will correct them because I don't want, you know, I don't want, there to be any dishonesty or thoughts of deceit or, or even just awkwardness yes. <laughs> down the track having to clarify that maybe this preconceived idea that they had of me, um, <laughs> you know, is not true. And, and like you said, when I was sort of going on parental leave, you know, a lot of my clients, like, you know, to be honest, the majority of my clients know that I'm married to a woman. Um, you know, they, they sort of, you know, know things about my life and, and a lot of them ask, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of, you know, how that's come about. Um, but I did have a group, you know, a group of clients where, you know, maybe they'd never asked or maybe it just never come up and and it just hadn't been a conversation topic and, you know, kind of explaining I was going to be out of the office for a while because, um, uh, you know, uh, my wife was having a baby, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from there there would sometimes be that, you know, look of surprise or shock. Um, something I guess I've kind of told myself over and over again is that, if it's awkward for me, it's much more awkward for them <laughs> because they're probably the ones that are realising, oh, my goodness, you know, I've, I've, you know, pegged this person as this for, for however long, um, you know. And, and, you know, I have had some awkward interactions with clients, but, you know, luckily, um, you know, nothing, you know, nothing awful, you know, I haven't had anybody be outright um you know really really you know discriminative to me you know well not as sort of client wise anyway um from there so you know and I think generally and you're such a great um role model for this is you know showing your true colors and your interests and your you know what you take pride in you know clients do really like that you know and um you know since sort of coming out to clients or since you know coming out as a mother to clients as well because (laughs) You know, when I tell people I'm a mother, especially when my daughter was really young, the first thing they do is they look at your tummy and they go, oh, <laughs> and then I sort of almost feel the need to explain like, oh, no, I didn't give birth and this, you know, and sort of fill in the backstory um, from there. But, you know, I've had so many nice conversations with with people around it. And, you know, again, clients that maybe I didn't, wasn't as close to. Um, you know, when we catch up now, they're, you know, how's your daughter, show me some pictures, what's she doing now? And, you know, it adds another element into, I guess, just the bond, you know, and that closeness. Um, you know, you would know, no doubt, like obviously our clients, you know, they need to be really vulnerable at times, you know, and sometimes they feel like we're basically just strip them naked and then ask about, you know, ask about, you know, this okay. mark here and that mark there. And, you know, I think it's really important to make sure that it is a safe space. And again, being vulnerable just proves that, you know, it is a safe space. I'm sharing about myself, you know, not making it about myself, um, but, uh, but, you know, just, just showing them who I am and, you know, my my honest, um, you know, my honest self from
0: there. I, I think about... Um what it must be like for you to have to kind of anticipate the conversation like part of you kind of know what's coming (laughs) once you blurt it out um and then like you say it's on a a weekly basis that you you have to come out like that's I think like a number of people won't even understand what that what that's like because who who they present themselves to be they might be fitting a lot of the assumptions that are already there so I I can't even imagine Kara like having to explain, you know, something that's so natural for you, like you know yeah. yourself a hundred percent. Yeah. Because of all of these assumptions that people just make on on anything, like that, you, yes. you know, that, that you're having to kind of go, <laughs> actually. Um, actually. <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> actually, like you almost need a t-shirt that just explains it all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, I, I realized a long time ago, that's why a lot of gay women have Short hair, or they might okay. dress a certain way, or they might yeah. do a certain thing. It's because then that is their way of telling the world mm. rather than having to have these conversations over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even, even this is, I, you know, this is sort of slightly embarrassing, but, you know, maybe about 10 years ago, I found myself single and wanting to meet someone. So I cut my hair really <laughs> short. <laughs> <laughs> because I was sick of, you know, going out and people just assuming, you know, I was, you know, I was there with people and not there for me. Yes. Um, And, you know, and and sadly it worked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sadly. That's how you got your wife.
0: (laughs) No, it wasn't my wife. It was someone else. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, I mean, but that's really interesting. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, you you brought up a point that I didn't even really think about that you, you just, you're almost falling to the stereotype which you're not to make it oh. Oh. easier to be associated with what the greater public perceive, right? The, the LGBTQ plus community has, has gone through a bit, to say the least, in the last number of years. As a financial advisor, again, not obvious that you are from that community. When the marriage equality debate was happening, did it expose you to a lot more unfiltered discussions around that than you would have? I mean, how did you cope with that, Cara? I mean, firstly, yes, it absolutely did. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, I guess sort of reflecting
1: back on, you know, the amazing, amazing privilege that I have had that, yep. you know, my family and friends have always been so accepting of me. Um, you know, I just haven't always been exposed to a lot of that discrimination. And then suddenly it was something that was, you know, in the media on a daily basis. Um, you know my wife had a really bad experience one day when she was at work um, you know all of her colleagues knew that uh, you know we were together they knew at the time we were engaged and there was a group of them all men that were saying um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna vote no so that they shut up about it because I'm sick of being told to vote yes and you know she you um, called me in tears, you know, called me in tears going, you know, these people know me, you know, they know my life and they're still having this view, Um, you know, and other other sort of situations sort of similar to that. But, I mean, if I'm, you know, if I'm being perfectly honest, it was a really terrible time. Um, You know, I, um, you know, I cried a lot. You know, I had to kind of cut myself off from the news and the media because I just, you know, it made something that in my mind, like, you know, being gay, having the same rights as everybody else, is not a political issue like it's a human rights issue and um you know i i i just sort of hated the fact that you know people sort of felt like they could just be so um discriminative in an open setting you know it kind of brought it to the front and it made it okay and it's just not um Mm. so you know even the day when the vote happened um you know some of my colleagues kind of rushed up to me and said you must be so happy and you know, one of my thoughts were, you know, it was only sixty-one or sixty-two percent. Mm-hmm. And you know, another sort of—I can't remember the figures—but it was like another twenty percent didn't even vote. And yeah. I just yeah. thought that's more than fifty percent of the population don't think I should get married. And, um, and I was heartbroken. Like I just thought, I just thought, you know, even though I guess maybe the the stats are kind of insinuated it would sort of fall like that,
0: but I just thought it was. Disgusting. <laughs> no, I, I it is correct. You know, for so many reasons, as in one level, it's, it's rejecting who you are, right? And there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with yeah. with a person, but somehow someone else gets to interject and say you don't deserve it. Yeah. Which just because um, I found myself having some of those conversations during that period as well. Um, sometimes I was a bit torn. Not a lot, but we had I had some vocal clients probably generational wise, they had grown up with particular or if they were uh, fairly religious. Um, and, and then I, I even questioned myself as an advisor, does this mean value system wise that is not compatible? Like I found it difficult because I was torn going, I know what personal dawn would do if we were out having a conversation with someone, but <laughs> advisor dawn <laughs> didn't know what I could say you know, and, and then that also during that time, it changed some relationships of, of how I actually saw people. Because, mm. because yeah, like people assume, um, they assume that I've got nothing invested in the yeah. marriage equality debate. I'm invested because it, you said it's a human rights issue. Um, I've got children, and I talk to them about the fact that they could marry. Someone of the opposite sex, someone of the same sex, you know, they, they, and I see the gender's identity, like we have these discussions, <laughs> even when they're young. Yeah. Um, and that's amazing. Yeah.
1: You know, that's, you know, it's one of those things where I think sometimes people think, like, oh, you're having those discussions, you're going to um, turn, you someone- know, sort of push them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're going to turn them, push them down, right. down But it's literally, it's just making a safe space for a someone safe- to say, you know, I feel different. You know, or I feel differently or I'm not sure how I feel, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, from there. And, you know, like I said, when my mum said that to me when I was little and, you know, and I had no idea at that time, like, you know, it hadn't even entered my mind that that was even (laughs) an option in life, like (laughs) from there. But, you know, I always had that in my mind. You know, I always knew that I was going to be accepted. And Mm -hmm. I think it's so amazing to just, you know, be forthright in those conversations Uh, you know uh, and just be open you know whether with you know with your family or your friends or whoever it might be and they can just know that they can just always be themselves you know and you might not necessarily you know it's even uh, in other contexts sometimes you don't necessarily um you know like the decisions that say your Mm -hmm. friends or your family are making but it's their life you know if you're there to to support them Um, you know, perhaps unless they're being a danger to themselves. But, you know, most times we're not, you know, we're maybe not making the best decision, but, um, you know, it's still something that we're entitled to make as our own selves.
0: You present yourself um, as who you are and and you're successful with what you do. But, I mean, sometimes people forget that uh, there are things that you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. It's a number of times that you've said you've had privilege and acceptance, like you said. (laughs) Not a lot of people have to be coming out at least once a week to explain your mm-hmm. position. Um, I'm going to ask you to wear different hats, right? We'll, we'll do a bit of imagining you in different roles. Let's say, let's imagine that we've only got one financial planning body around and you're the head of that body. What do you think could be done better for financial advisors who are in the LGBTQ community currently? Having it as uh, a, a place where you can be open. And, you know, whether this is for
1: advisors or whether this is for workplaces, mm. just letting them know that they can be themselves, you know, from that top-level supporting events, supporting initiatives, you know, having, um, uh, you know, a staff, you know, I don't know, a staff event that, you know, you go to a Pride Parade together or yeah. go and see an LGBTQ movie at, you know, the, um, you know there's always movie, um, film festivals sort of every okay. year. Um, like I know uh, just in the business that I'm in, we've had two staff members over the last 10 years that were gay and Mm. were not out and, um, you know, both, you know, now out at this sort of stage. But I had both of them independently tell me that, you know, when they first started and they heard me at the time talking about my wife as my girlfriend and just being really open about it and, you know, normal, you know, just talking about our normal life you know, not making a big show and dance about it, but just being a normal person with a girlfriend. And they both said to me independently that, you know, they just really admired that and it was, you know, it, um, you know, gave them a lot of courage. And, you know, and again, then they knew when they were ready, they were going to be accepted in that workplace, mm. um, you know, from from there. So I think, you know, just having that as a safe space, you know, not making assumptions, um, you know, even like, and and this can sort of go as far as when you're dealing with clients and things as well. Like, not just assuming talking to a you know a female on the client on yes. the phone and assuming they have a husband, you know, yes. talking to a male and assuming that they have a wife, but just sort of using more neutral type neutral terms, um, you know, and on you know any forms or questionnaires again, you know, just having that as an option, you know, from there. I know certainly, um, you know, in other forums and things that I'm a part of, you know, using gender neutral pronouns is you know becoming much, much more of a of a thing. Um, yes. And you, you know, and, and again, I that doesn't directly affect me. And I'll probably come out as far as to say as I don't feel like I fully understand it. But you know, mm-hmm. if I'm not there as judging my lack of understanding. I'm just yes. acknowledging, you know, it's not something I've experienced um, uh, you know, from there and just accepting that, you know, they are who they are and I am who I am and I probably have something to learn. Um, you know, in this world as well. So you know, you, we don't need to feel threatened by people that are different to us. You know, they can just teach us something from there. So um, you know, yeah, I think just you know, openness, not making assumptions, um, just goes a long way. You know, I feel like people make assumptions about me day in day out, and most of them yeah. are wrong. Um, <laughs> from there, you know, and I find you know, and I find myself, you know, really sometimes you just have to be more conscious in your conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly say. I do work a lot with engineers um, you know that's sort of a bit of a um, you know a niche that I work in and again engineers they always come up with in financial advisor talk because they do have lots of similar attributes and in, in terms of you know certain tendencies but I can't assume that they're all the same person of it they? they all have the same things yes. that you know makes them tick because each of them as an individual you know they've had different experiences and cultural backgrounds um, you know, to learn different lessons. And so we just need to face, you know, whether it's the LGBT community or female community or whatever mm. it might be, just with an open mind.
0: Um, mm. You know, I think that's the main thing. Brilliant. I think we need you to, <laughs> to get out there and <laughs> just, just spread the magic and love. Uh, because I think you've, you've mentioned safe space a lot and I definitely agree with that. I think it, it, it seems to be like it should just be a human right to be able to feel safe in the space that you're in. And, um, uh, and that's not always the case for everyone. Mm. Um, we haven't even talked about how you are perceived being a woman within the financial planning industry. Uh, you know, 20% um, of financial advisors are women. Um, and we're both part of the inspire group with, Mm. um, AFA, but I hear more broadly people going, we need more women in, you know, we meet, we need to get. We need to serve female clients better. We need to encourage women to be financial advisors. What can you give as a suggestion? Again, in for the industry or workplaces or just people around, but how that can better be done.
1: I mean, I guess if I reflect on my own experience, mm-hmm. um, I had a really great mentor, um, uh, Olivia Maragna from Aspire. I retire so she was actually the AFA advisor of the year back in 2012. Um, she was my she was my mentor sort of around sort of 2011, 2012. And um, you know, she was just such an in- inspiration, you know, I like, you know, she was just amazing, bubbly personality. You know, she was very successful professionally. Um, you know, she was she was just a beautiful person and, you know, she had a lot of sort of wisdom to give. And I think maybe reflecting on that, um, you know, that sort of learning and experience, maybe what we need to do is, is us women that have been in the industry for a while, we need to do more mentoring, you know, and we need to really bring up that, that next generation um, from there. And I, I, you know, Olivia is based in, um, in Brisbane, you know, I'm in Perth. Um, and, you know, really the reason why we sort of ended up kind of, you know, working with each other was because I just didn't, I didn't have a a strong female role model within my business. You know, Olivia stopped being my mentor probably, you know, eight or nine years ago, but, you know, we still, um, you know, we still see each other from time to time, exchange a message, you know, from time to time and just kind of check in with each other. Um, and, you know, and I still, aspire you know, I still look up to her and aspire towards her. And I think it's just you know, like, like I guess it's like with, um, you know, anything sort of LGBTQ, it's just that representation, you know, mm-hmm. seeing more women, yeah. um, you yeah. know, seeing more diversity, it encourages encourages us to, to sort of follow that suit. And we'll always follow in our own way. You know, I don't think any of us are there to recreate the path of, you know, those who came before us. Um, but, you know, we can sort of, you know, see how they did it and maybe how we want to do things slightly differently from there. So... Um, yeah, certainly, I guess, kind of just having more representation and, and you know, I'm not, I, other than sort of people within my business, I'm not currently mentoring anyone. And maybe my challenge is I feel like I don't have enough time, but maybe I need to, um, you know, bite that bullet and realise I'll never have enough time. <laughs> but, but you know, it is important, you know, and it's important for the profession. And I just think, you know, as women, we have so many great skills to offer, you know, we, we just look at things in a different light. Um, you know, and different clients need different things. You know, I always sort of, you know, sort of think that I'm not the advisor for everybody. You know, not mm-hmm. everybody suits me, and that's yes. fine. You know, I suit certain types of clients. And then if we have a really good professional relationship, then we're going to achieve really good, really great things together. Whereas if we're not the right mix, then we might only achieve mediocre things together. And that's that's not really my my tag. Mm
0: you know, the representation piece will, will let other women coming into the industry, whether or not they decide to be financial advisors or not, they go, go into paraplanning or practice management, but they know that um, women can be totally kicking goals and yeah. really helping and following just totally being awesome, just being themselves yeah. um, because nobody wants to come into work and be somebody else. I think the moment that you can just come in and just use who you are as being the the best attribute of like the best skill set it's just you. <laughs> I think that is so inspiring for people who, I, I, you know, if they haven't found their environment, their safe space, yeah. they're not going to feel it. They're not going to see what it's like. But when they see someone like you, Kara, who's, who's found it, um, not to say that they're not challenges that happen from day to day. I think that helps younger women coming through, set a goal of where they want to be
1: you know it's like any role role model in life um mm-hmm. you know it, it's something to aspire towards it's something to aim for and you know even if you don't quite get to to that initial goal you know you at least you're just moving forward and making progress and wanting to be a better person you know just continuously learning and evolving isn't that what life is about
0: <laughs> yes um, mm-hmm. you have so much of wisdom so um, i'm going to ask <laughs> you to impart Even more wisdom to our listeners, (laughs) whether it is to do with money or careers, do you have three Mm. tips for them to just help them move forward? So so things that you've learned to help you just move forward towards your ultimate goal that you've set yourself.
1: Maybe I'll I'll answer both. So I guess career-wise, I think a lesson that I learned and what I probably impart to every young person entering our business is just, Tackle your study and education requirements straight away. Don't put it off um, from there, because I think, you know, sometimes you think, "Okay, I don't have enough time right now. I'll come back to this." Um, but you will never have more time. You know, you, I think everyone's life is only getting busier, um, and uh, you know, there's never a convenient time to do study. It's always a bit of an inconvenience. But you know, it's a necessary. It's you know, it's a necessary thing, and you know, every course that I've ever done. You know, I think sometimes there's moments while I'm doing it where I deeply resent it um, and then I come out the other end and I go, okay, I did learn something or, I, you know, I did challenge myself from there. Um, you know, I, I think the other sort of lesson is just to take pride in what you do. You know, I, I, I think that if you take pride in what you do, you try your hardest, you know, you put your heart and soul into it, you're going to get a good outcome or you've got to learn something, you know, as a result um, from there. And, and then number three would just be to speak up and show initiative You know, if I think businesses more than ever these days, they don't want people that are just Mm. going to tell them what their problems are. They want people to bring them a solution, Um, you know, and those kind of people are just going to be invaluable in the future, you know, as automation occurs more and more, then we need people that are actually, you know, taking strides ahead from there. Mm. Um, Do you want three financial (laughs) (laughs) tips? Bring it on, bring it on. (laughs) I think, um, you know, predominantly, you know, the biggest tip that you can give anybody is just don't put your head in the sand. You know, um, you know, a, a man, an inheritance, a lottery win, that's not a financial plan. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's not something to rely on that we just need to take responsibility, you know, for our own lives. And, you know, maybe where we don't want to deal with the detail, well that's where we do engage an advisor or a broker or an accountant or whoever it might be to deal with some of those, those things, um, you know, Taking small actions over a long period of time just compounds and makes something, turns into something mm, incredible. Okay. I was listening to a podcast last year um, and I was listening to um, Dr. Rangan Shatterjee. Shat- I may have said that awfully, but he has um, Feel Better with Five or Feel Better in Five, rather. Mm-hmm. And the idea is just spending five minutes at a time exercising, um, you, you know, from there. And I think that we can apply, you know, Some people might go, well, that's not long enough. It's not going to make an impact. But, you know, say you met someone and they smoked for five minutes a day. Is that going to have an impact on their health? Well, the exercising Mm -hmm. was going to have the the same. And I think we can apply that principle to our finances. You know, we spend a minute, you know, here and there and everywhere, whenever we can, that's still going to make a difference. Um, And, you know, the third sort of tip is really just to keep things simple and automate whatever is possible because, you know, out of sight, out of mind, we're just forcing ourselves to do something that's good for us. Um, so I think if we can
0: sort of take those things,
1: then, you know, we're not going to say, well, too hard basket, I'll come
0: back to that. Take the first steps forward, yeah. like, like ignoring it's not going to solve the problem, but if you take baby steps, even a little bit each day, um, yeah. that will help. Uh, lastly, you know, if, if we're going to bestow some magic powers to you mm-hmm. uh, momentarily where one wish you have, where you can change anything. Finance, the way that our financial system works towards women, um, what would that be? I, um, I really feel like, you know, we
1: have a good parental leave and, you know, maternity leave system here in Australia, but you look at countries like Norway and they are just leaps and bounds ahead. And I think that, you know, so if we had a system more like Norway's where um, after the first 12 months, of the child being born, each of the parents is entitled to a year of leave, um, you know, subsidised subsidized by the government. I think that would just make such an enormous difference on so many levels. You know, one, I think it just really equalises um, the, you know, the, the playing field for men and women. Like, you know, I think particularly say around, you know, my age group in their 30s that, you know, I have friends that have been on contract for six or seven years because their employees won't make them permanent because They see them as a, you know, almost like a flight risk because they're at that Uh, sort of Yeah. Um, age. And, you know, I think as much as people say it doesn't come into their minds when they're recruiting and, you know, when they're doing things, it just starts um, from there. And so I think that if, you know, men and women were each as likely to take time off when their children were born, then, you know, it just equalises that playing field. And, you know, if that flows on, then you've got, you know, better, I think, you know, family relationships, you know, you've got more, you know, better shared relationships, better shared responsibilities, you know, each partner is understanding the other's point of view better um, from there. And, you know, and most importantly, they're each having a time to bond with their child Mm -hmm. uh, from there. I mean, you know, being a mother that didn't give birth and isn't taking maternity leave, um, sometimes I feel a little bit sad about that because, you know, I don't get to spend as much time with my daughter. From there. You know, I get to focus on my career and lots of the benefits that come from that. And I am really grateful. But, you know, having uh, you know, I guess like most people, I want the best of both worlds (laughs) from there, if I can. So, you know, I just think I think sort of having more equity when it comes to parental leave would just
0: make a really big difference for women generally. Brilliant. I just I wish magic existed. Where the
1: magical, where and the one. have Equal parent treatment.
0: <laughs> and I, that makes a lot of sense. No, it does make a lot of sense because it takes away the bias and discrimination mm. that women have. Um And as much as, uh, you know, some people say it doesn't really exist, uh, unless you're going through that situation, you might not know the kind of, of things that you, oh, yeah. you would have to, to go through or what you, you give up. Child care is... Is big on the agenda at the moment, um, yeah. but yeah, like I said, maybe we can learn from the Scandinavian countries and yeah, more as a, a parental issue rather than a gender issue.
1: Yes, um, yes. I think
0: that's a beautiful way
1: of putting at it because I think a lot of the biases that we do have around men and women or gender or yeah. you know, LGBTQ issues or whatever it might be Sometimes they're obvious in our minds and sometimes they're unconscious. You know, we don't necessarily yep. realise we're putting someone on a pedestal and pulling yep. somebody down, um, right. you know, perhaps until someone calls us out on it <laughs> from there. And then maybe a lot of people, our natural instinct is to then to get defensive yep. <laughs> from there. So, you know, there's like a cultural shift um, that would need to happen at some point. So hopefully, you know, we can follow suit and learn, learn, from, learn from some of um, our, our neighbours around the world
0: oh you've been absolutely brilliant Kara. thank you for trusting us the the your money story family and and listeners with your story um because it, it's an important one to tell uh, and thank you for being just an awesome role model within our industry as well oh
1: wonderful thank you thank you for having me and um and yeah letting me be vulnerable in this safe space. <laughs>
0: Subscribe now to be notified of new episodes. Let's change how the story ends. The information discussed during this episode includes strategies that are general in nature. As everyone's situation is different and the information discussed does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs, you should always seek personal advice with regard to your own personal circumstances.